Oh, man. Who should we talk about this week? What about uh, Marco Luciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about baseball, you Giants fans got to pull Marco Luciano out your ass. That's your one. That's the one. Marco Luciano. Let me tell you something once and for all. Marco Luciano's good, but compared to Junior Caminero, Marco Luciano ain't shit. He beat Junior Caminero's ass to the bigs. That's right. He did make it to the show before Junior Caminero. Junior Caminero, 19 years old in double A. I don't know how old he was, but he does ass whooped. Junior Caminero came out of middle school to play double A. The man was 11 years old. He lied about his age all the time. He still does. Jeff Passon was on the pod the other day, and I said, Jeff, Jeff, you hang out with Junior Caminero. Between me and you, how old is Junior? You know what Jeff told me? Jeff told me Junior Caminero, eight years old. Eight years old. Man, you ain't never had no Jeff Passon on the pod. Man, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Start the music. Welcome to our listeners. I am Philly Five Tool, and along with me, as always, is formerly the Zavala guy, currently the Caminero guy, and forever the Yachty guy, TJ. TJ, who else are we welcoming in today? I want to give a quick shout out to our uh, sponsor, Card King Breaks, here in Tucson, Arizona. Check them out, cardkingbreaks.com, and across all social media channels. Or if you're here in Tucson, go check him out at Oracle on the Orange Grove. He's got a nice little shop, lots of boxes, lots of breaks, great prices, and Mike's a solid guy. That's awesome. So how's uh, how's the hobby been treating you this week? Man, I went full degenerate this weekend, and uh, I'm trying to kind of wash away my sins a little bit. We ended up breaking about a half a case of 23 Topps Chrome Jumbo Boxes on the Discord, and... Uh, Picked up a bunch of Junior Caminero singles. I uh, got a couple of yellow papers out of 75. A couple Bowman Chrome Sapphire Base. Uh, picked up a Lava Refractor out of 399. Uh, green Chrome out of 99. Green Paper out of 99. Uh, three of those Neon Green out of 390. It's a problem, bro. Uh, sent a bunch of them off to PSA. Let's see how it does. Sent a bunch of other stuff off to PSA with my man, SSK, I think we sent 38 cards in total. That's Um, amazing. I'm putting another one together right now, man. And so, you know, we might as well do it right here live on the show. But why don't you go ahead and send me those three we were talking about, and I'll get them in with the next. I mean, uh, I got that that Shohei Bowman, you know, rookie of the year insert. I guess it's even rarer than his 2017. I got that top's finest Shohei, world's finest card the other day that, like, can't stop looking at. Just, Just shiny and lovely and I don't know. I might. I might even up it and see if I send a few more along. Just you know, get in while it's good. A little theory I have, and you know, it's kind of got passed over to me from my man Korean Tom Cruise. Is when you're selling, you know, and I, you know, high end, mid high, high end cards like that, um, and you know, it's got good condition, and you're not sure if it's a nine or a ten. Send it in, bro, because in a lot of cases you'll have an easier time selling that PSA nine than that raw card. You yeah. know what I mean? So. 
um, you've still got some value there. So, you know, there is value in the nine, you know, don't, don't crack your nines out and, you know, cry and everything else. Cause right. they didn't gym every time, but you know, we're talking Otani. I mean, you almost can't lose, bro. Uh, right. That's, that's, a, that's a good go bet. Up. Yeah. It's going to go up if I wrap it in a plastic bag and, you know, put some chips in with it and somebody will still want to buy it. Honestly, man, I'm 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 really upset with myself for not getting in on that. And I had a bunch of Otani rookies. Nothing crazy, you know what I mean? But yeah. I remember in 21, 20, you could buy Otani for significantly less than he's Ooh, selling yeah. for right now. So even just the last six months has been painful to to watch my uh, hopes and dreams double yeah. and triple in price on the uh, the the watch list. But you yeah. know, I mean. It, it gives us something entertaining to watch on the field. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I hit a nice Jordan Walker, uh, Bowman, or I'm sorry, Topps Chrome uh, rookie auto base, but it's nice. I like the white border with the red pinstripe going on around the inside. Uh, shout out to my man, JH, for the uh, draft day trade, if you will, right before the, the break and uh, hit that auto, man. And I was losing my mind. You know, the gift of... Uh, Joe Rogan when he's on the sidelines at UFC and he's just like freaking out. He's got like horror, a look of horror and disbelief on his face. That's how I looked. Uh, beautiful day. Beautiful day. Yeah, full degenerate weekend. I'm sure you guys can can sympathize. Yeah, it's going to be one of those ones where you pull up the lawn chair and wait by the mailbox for that bad boy to arrive. I mean, hmm. that's going to be pretty sick right there. One last note on PSA. I had a Jordan Walker uh, first Bowman Chrome auto. It's an in-person auto. So somebody had him sign it with a nice red paint pen. Um, it's gorgeous. And it was pre-authenticated as an authentic autograph uh, by BGS. You know, they put it in a card saver with that little gold sticker on the top. I just sent the whole damn thing to PSA for grading and auto authentication. So we're hoping yeah, for a hey. 10 and, a, and an authentic on that because that would look gorgeous with the red on the red PSA totally. slab. And uh, comps on that are like six, seven hundred dollars, but that's a that's a permanent PC card. But anyway, well, I'm happy to hear that there was at least one good trade over this weekend. I mean, you getting the Jordan Walker out of it and everything. I mean, originally we had kind of planned on doing a little bit of a trade deadline dive, but so far it's just been kind of a standoff, wouldn't you say? Ah, uh, yeah, man. I'm waiting for the Cardinals to start unloading some of these guys. It's not like the the on the field performance is showing them anything that thinks that you know, we might make the playoffs or anything even closely resembling that. So, uh, yeah, but a, a couple of things did go through. Actually, you know, luckily we're recording this Sunday morning, so we got a couple of deals we can look back on. White Sox are selling the farm. Or, well, not the farm. They're buying the farm and selling off the livestock, right? Exactly. No, uh, I mean, they, they shipped away Giolito, and, you know, the Angels were nice enough to pony up, you know, pretty much what was their best prospect in Edgar Caro. Um, you know, he's a solid catching prospect, um, great, you know, hit tool right now, great on base, great uh, ability to read the strike zone. Um, you know, I think the cynical side of scouts say that there's some question mark on whether or not he's going to be skilled enough to stick behind the plate. Um, he's, he's showing good defense, but not, you know, what you would hope from like a top prospect. So it almost leaves the White Sox maybe in a situation where two, three years from now, they're looking at another guy like Andrew Vaughn, who's, you know, decent on base, decent hit, decent power, but no real place to play. And they're stuck with another one of these 260, 15 home runs, 380, you know, 380 on base percentage. So is it a big chip? We'll see. 
if he sticks a catcher, I think it could be good, but hard to say. That was probably the best that the White Sox were going to get back for a, for a rental on Giolito. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, to get somebody even in a, a top 100 list, you know, for two months of what Giolito is now, not what he was, but what he is now, is it's pretty good. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a little bit more here in just a second, but I don't really love that deal from the Angels' perspective either. I mean, they've you talk about unloading the farm, bro. I mean, they're, you, you go back to their top five prospects from the beginning of the year, oh, hop, done. Nito in the bigs, you know what I mean? And also hurt, by the way, right. you know what I mean? So there's there's a lot of holes there in that farm system. But like I said, we'll touch on that a little bit more here in just a second. Uh, for those of you White Sox fans excited about your new catching prospect, you go pick up his first Bowman Chrome Auto for about 35 bucks. Not ridiculous. And uh, it's a pretty clean card. And now you start getting into that. Well, he's on the White Sox, but his Bowman's in an Angels uniform, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that's part of the game. You know, it's – I don't know how you feel about that, and maybe we can touch on it a little more in Mailbag, but for people with Angels cards or Angels fandoms, you trade away a guy like that. How do you deal with that? Do you kind of just start listing cards and sell them off if they're not your team anymore? Or? Myself personally? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm 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 getting rid of them. I'm I'm done with them. They they really serve me no purpose. That Ellie Harris Montero kid from the Cardinals I talk about. Yep. I had a respectable little stash of him, and uh, yeah, once he was on the Rockies, I got rid of it. And then and to that point, it was also worth significantly less at that point because right. you know Rockies have a much smaller fan base. There's not a lot of Rockies fans out here clamoring for the next big thing. Unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah, I know last year, I mean, I kind of made the the quick reaction mistake of uh, trading away a Noel V. Marte right after he got sent to the Reds, you know, because he's one of my Mariners guys. And, you know, I mean, he's shooting up prospect lists. And looking back, it's kind of one of those deals where, well, if I waited another year or two, I could probably get a really good return. But at the time, I was able to pull a Luis Castillo autograph rookie for it. So at the end of the day, I mean, a pretty good deal. I think it depends on what you're in it for. You know what I mean? If you're truly, and we'll again talk about that a bit in the mailbag, but if you're truly a team collector, it's hard to get married to prospects, man. It's hard to. So when they move, maybe you kind of move like the GM of the team and trade them for a guy that, you know, is on your team that you actually like and want. Who you got in real life. Yeah. Yeah. A little fun with it. Uh, So the other deal we wanted to touch on as of 10, 20 a.m. Pacific time, Max Scherzer has still accepted the trade, uh, we think. We haven't checked Twitter to see if there's any updates, but Max Scherzer going to da, 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 the Texas Rangers for Luis Angel Acuna. Ooh. As uh, as a, a fan of the team that's responsible for the last time, the Rangers had a significant opportunity to win a title, and we uh, snatched it from their faces and watched Nolan Ryan cry in the stands. Sorry. Uh yeah, man, they're making a run, bro. And they went and got DeGrom, and DeGrom went down. And so, you know, they they, they were an ace away. So they decided we'll go get our our ace. Is uh, is he the ace that he was last year, two years ago? Uh, I'm not sure how I feel, you know, about relying on him too much. But the Mets are going to eat a significant portion of that salary. It uh, looks like, uh, you know, Scherzer's going to opt in for that that next year. And uh, it could be a big move for the Rangers. They're all in, man. Their offense is rolling. They're scoring lots of runs, and they just need a few arms, and I don't think they're finished either. Uh, on the other side of that deal, you know, Luis Angel Acuna, um, 
he was super hyped when he came out. A lot of that is that name, right? We talk about that, you know, that pedigree. That's Ronald Acuna's brother. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you yeah, see what, I mean, what his guess, brother's doing in the league? I guess if he's got a fraction of that skill, he's still going to be a pretty good ball player. So That's that's what you have to assume. And then you got Brian Acuna, you know, in the Twins organization riding that same hype train. I mean, you know, if, if Vlad had another kid, that Guerrero's going to get some hype. Um, it's just, you know, the, the, the nature of the there beast. Is actually, there is actually a rumor that there is a younger uh, Guerrero coming in soon through the Dominican Summer League. Maybe next and you year. already talked about the younger holiday that's coming up that's supposed exactly. to be better than Jackson. So it, it never uh, ends. It's, it's the name of the game. So uh, Acuna was hyped when he came out uh, just for the, you know, the hobby side of things. You know, uh, his first Bowman Chrome model was selling for about $65 five days ago. Uh, today is selling for about $120, $150. So Mets fans, that's kind of the counter argument to that, you know, that Montero to the Rockies uh, scenario that I brought up. You know, Mets fans are hyped. So, you know, they're going to buy in and, and they're going to try to get him. Kid hits a lot. You know, he steals a lot of bases. What's he look like on the field, Philly? No, I mean, he's a good bet to stick at shortstop, um, you know, kind of depending on what they want to do with Lindor, you know, in the long term. I mean, they owe him a lot of money and you know, he's kind of one of the other guys that isn't really performing. So, I mean, if they find a way to move him, you know, on Acuna could be, you know, their solution at short. Um, but he's totally capable of sticking at second, uh, sticking at center field. He's got the athleticism to play all, all over the diamond. I mean, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a big time power threat ever. But, you know, 300 with 10 to 12 home runs and 25 steals out of a middle infielder, you take that happily. Um, especially for, you know, a situation like Scherzer where team wasn't going anywhere, spending a lot of money and they had to send a lot of money away too, to make it happen, but they got a good return. And it gets them under that, you know, that luxury tax threshold, ideally. And then, I don't know, I think I saw a rumor that Verlander might be on his way out too. Yeah. Last night there was some uh, smoke that he might be heading towards the Dodgers. And, you know, that's another situation where the Mets could be bringing in some nice talent back and, you know, also saving some money to take a run at a potential all-time free agent this winter, too. I think historically, you know, anytime a team comes in there and just, you know, wins the offseason, it really doesn't, you know, translate to on the field. You know, anytime they go out there and they spend, you know, all this money, I mean, look at San Diego this year, you know, look at the Mets this year, uh, you know, look at the Yankees this year, and, and it's just, you know, those high-dollar contracts don't always come to fruition and really, you know, you know, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's all about building that solid base from within and, you know, supplementing with free agency. And I mean, they definitely weren't shy about spending the dollars to see if it can make it happen. But I think there just wasn't un enough underneath Scherzer and Verlander who were banged up and really not them old, their old selves anyway. No, nah, they need some depth and they have a good young core position players. You got Alvarez, Beatty, Vientos, a lot of good studs, you know, all over the diamond, but they're in need of some arms. It's kind of surprising that you know, they brought back a bat in return, but I think they need to stock that pin and that rotation. But I'll let the Mets fans in the Discord bang on their own team a little bit. Got <laughs> to save something for them. All right. So, oh, I think I've just been handed a box of cannolis here. Oh, I sure have. And there's a note in there. Oh, from the Podfather. Oh, all right. Looks like we're doing a little uh, Podfather segment here following up the trade deadline. Our boy uh, Don Corleone Baseball problem. has some Leave questions for us. So I'm going to throw this first one at you, TJ. Should the Padres trade Hayter and Snell to the Orioles? Who should they ask for? 
from that stack system? Uh, to address the first part of your question, yes, I would say it's time for the Padres to uh, probably wave the white flag. I think Bobby would agree. Um, they're, you know, they're winning just enough to end up at the back end of the draft and on the wrong side of the playoff picture. So um, you don't want to be in the middle, man. You either want to go to the bottom or, or you know, have a shot to, to succeed in the playoffs. So uh, I don't think it's working. And I think that, again, this is a team that unloaded the farm to go get Soto and, you know, unloaded the vault to go, you know, lock up Machado and Tatis and everybody else. So uh, might be nice to, you know, reload and reset for next year and, the, and you know, in the next few years, because a lot of these guys are locked up for the long term. So they're going to need some complementary pieces to kind of fit in around the big contracts. Um, as far as the Orioles, I like Kerstad coming back, uh, Heston Kerstad coming back. Um, you know, the, the Orioles are loaded, man, with just young studs all over the place. Oh. And I'd hesitate to say that anybody's blocked in that system. But I mean, at some point, you have to assume that the Orioles are going to sell off some of these pieces to bring back some more established pieces because it it can't be all about potential and prospects. Right. All these guys aren't going to be superstars. I mean, they might. The Orioles might run off eight World Series. But um, hey, uh, I'll see at the victory party if that's what happens. I mean, that'd be pretty insane. It'd be cool to see. And then I also like Cade Povich. He's the, the number eight pitcher in their system. He's their top ranked pitcher that is not D.L. Hall. He's 23 years old, regularly touches 96. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, not terribly. Yeah, you know, uh, middle of the road pitcher. He's, uh, you know, been in the system for a couple of years, but I think that, you know, he's high enough on a prospect list that he would garner a look and somebody that, you know, the uh, Padres could plug into the middle or back end of the rotation maybe next year or the following year. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think it's time for the Padres to sell. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, even if it's, you know, they've seen enough of Colton Cowser in his first couple of weeks and, you know, they ship him off to San Diego you know, the Padres wouldn't be sad about that either. I mean, we talk about it a little more later too, but I mean, cows are struggling, you know, maybe they want to try Kirstead instead in Baltimore and, you know, ship the guy off to San Diego to let him figure out his, uh, his big league skill set. All right. I'm going to throw this one to you. Next question from uh, Robert F baseball. So if the Rays want to get Seth Lugo, can the Padres get Kyle Manzardo in return? I think, if the Rays want to get Snell or Hader, they could get Menzardo in return. I think, you know, you're asking for a pretty high-level prospect, but you're also giving up a pretty high-level, you know, player in return. I think Lugo's good, um, but I personally would expect it to be somewhere, you know, in the 10-11 range on Tampa's prospects. I mean, you're looking at like a Willie Vasquez, who's a solid middle infielder prospect, Um Carlos Caminera, same thing, maybe a Brock Jones. I mean, they're littered with, you know, usable pitching, kind of that Tampa mold of these guys are going to give me five good innings and get to the bullpen. So, again, if that's what San Diego wants, I think they can get pitching, but I think it might be a dream scenario to get Manzardo back. You know, I don't love Manzardo as much. He's in 238 this year. He's already 23. Um, you know, I, I think the pedig- you know, the, the tools are there. And I think that he's somebody that could probably be a serviceable major leaguer, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on Manzardo. I also don't has think that, uh, the Rays would hesitate to sell similarly to the way we were talking about the Orioles system. The Rays are just absolutely loaded, man. All right. So one more from Bobby. Should the angels have dealt Shohei Otani 
What would a prospect return look like for Otani? Would be more or less than Soto? And uh, also, does anyone else feel like the Red Sox are being sneaky, signing a big Japanese player and otherwise clearing payroll for years? Maybe Shohei to Boston in free agency? Okay, so definitely got to tackle these one at a time because there's a lot of uh, a lot of threads to this one. So should they have dealt Shohei? No, but you know we're gonna might be saying differently in six weeks or six months. Um, you know he's really a once in a generation player at best. So signing him away and not taking a shot when you're in close enough range to me. You know, is really just asking for you know a curse to be put on you. I mean, we're all familiar with this uh, Boston Red Sox traded away a guy named Babe Ruth, and look how long it took them to recover and win a series. So, last thing I'd want to do is put that on my franchise. Um, you know, with that, I mean, we talked about Giolito a little bit. You know, maybe it's not enough to win a World Series, but maybe Shohei and his his contingency are happy enough making an ALDS or an ALCS. We don't know what exactly the bar is, if anything. Um, he's still in LA, still in West coast, which we, we hear he wants. So I think you have to hand it to the angels, you know, for at least trying, um, but a prospect haul in return. So that's, I mean, what do you think on that TJ? You're getting like an ACE and you know, the, the offensive MVP, if you want to split hairs, um, for two months. I mean, is that more than Soto easily? If I'm the Angels and I'm trading away Shohei Otani, I'm taking your top pitching prospect, your top hitting prospect, and at least two more from your top 10 to start with. And I think you go from there. And I don't think that there's a team that feels like they have a chance at re-signing Otani that doesn't take that shot. So what I mean by that is, is, you know, you're, you're trading for Otani for two reasons. You're trading for him from the last two months of this season, right? But also you're trading for him and trying to sell him on the fact that, hey, man, come winter time, you know, next season, this might be where you want to be for the next, whoever signs him is giving him a 10-year deal. I mean, let's be right. honest, he'll probably get like a 12 or 13, some shit like that, DH the last five years. But, 11 um, and 550 million. And- minimum, right? <laughs> minimum. So uh, you you got the system for that, and you're not mad about it if you're the team on the receiving end of that deal. And the Angels, you know, on the other side of that coin, they have these last two months to show Otani this is where you want to be, you know, coming down the, you know, for the last 10 years of your career. If that man is smart, and I know he is, he takes a look around there. He goes, it's me and Mike Trout and nobody else because the system's already gutted. There's nothing on the way. There's nothing I mean, in the pipeline. They're already rushing their first round pick this year, uh, Nolan Shonwell, up to Double A. I mean, because that's how bare they are. I mean, they don't. They trade away Carroll. That's that's what they got left now. So, trying to push a, a guy that was in the draft six weeks ago up to the bigs. You trade Otani now to atone for your sins of the last ten years of not taking care of business when you had Trout in his prime. Trout's not getting better. Is Trout getting better the next five years? Is he, oh. is he is he going to have some career high numbers in the next five years? Are the Angels going to do anything significant? Name uh, three people in the Angels rotation. Yeah, Go with with, uh, <laughs> with with what they got right now, and I mean Mike Trout's going to come back from a broken hamate bone, so maybe he hits two eighty, but he's not going to have that power the rest of the season. So, oh, Rendon's going to come back and, and save him, right? Oh, oh yeah, of course. I mean that's. So- 
So the reason it's smart what the Mets are doing is so that they don't end up like the Angels in five years where they have all these old expiring contracts that guys in the back end of their best production years just sitting there always like, oh, well, we're one shot away from the playoffs. So they sign guys like Brandon Drury and things like that. And you just make these ridiculous deals and your team is stuck in this perpetual state of limbo where you're not getting high draft picks and being able to replenish the system. You don't have a high bonus pool for international signings because you're winning more games than the Angel, or I'm sorry, than the A's and the Pirates and all these other guys. Yeah, Yeah, man. So you're, you're perpetual mediocrity and you're just flirting with greatness and you're just wasted you know, one of the best position players and of my lifetime and probably the best player of my lifetime's whole prime. Oh, exactly. I mean, if he puts together a full MVP caliber season again, I think it'd be a shock to all of us. But I don't know. We can always hope for the best, but we'll see. We'll see. Logan O'Hop is not saving that team. You got to sell. No. Uh, and then I guess the last little thing here, does anyone feel like the Red Sox are being sneaky, signing a big Japanese player and otherwise clearing payroll for years? Shohei to Boston in free agency? So, you know, I've always wondered kind of following the NBA when that whole idea of like the big three, you know, might follow over to baseball and football where guys are definitely setting themselves up to play with their buddies where they want um, I don't know if it has a huge effect yet, but I can definitely see the allure of, you know, Otani and Yoshida, you know, just absolutely dominating in Fenway. It'd be fun to watch. I mean, the market would love him. I mean, any market's going to love him, and they, they could pay him. They have more than enough money. Um, just a matter of, you know, if he wants to go East Coast, who knows? Uh, I would 100% say that the Red Sox are loading up to try to get Otani. I would also say the Yankees are doing the same thing. I'd say the Padres are doing the same thing. I'd say the Astros are probably doing the same thing. I'd say the, there's there's like eight, eight teams in baseball, the Mets, that are prepared to do anything they can to put that man in their uniform. Um, Red Sox are near the top of that list. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I'd read so much into the Yoshida as connecting to Otani. You know, the Red Sox have always kind of had a nice tap into the Asian uh, player market. You know what I mean? They've brought a lot of guys over over the All years. The and Dice K and exactly. So that's not a market that they're hesitant to dip their toes into. And if they do, it's because you know there's significant talent there, and that's why they do it. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say the Red Sox absolutely going to make a run at Otani. Uh, their fan base would probably burn the stadium down if they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably true, actually. Um, yeah. So moving on, looks like for the first time, maybe in a little bit, we have some hobby news with some rough release dates kind of trickling out here through Cardboard Connection. TJ, I think uh, one of the better budget sets of the year, Tops Pro Debut Baseball, is looking at an end of August, maybe August 30th release date. What's your thoughts on that set? I like Topps Pro Debut a lot for what it is. It's kind of like the Topps version of Bowman, if you will. Um, But the cool part about it is they're all in the minor league uniforms, right? So you get all the fun team names, all the fun uniforms, all the fun team nicknames. You know, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun, man. Sorting the the guys out into what teams they belong in, respectively, unless you're really knowledgeable about the minor leagues, can be a pain in the ass. Um, But other than that, it's a lot of fun. I do enjoy opening that set. You're going to be able to pick up hobby boxes for a really friendly price. They've even got the jumbo format. I think it's got three autos in it. Yeah. Um, I've always had a blast. Lots of color parallels. 
Um, it's fun. To, you know, it doesn't hold a ton of value long term, but it, as is the case with most other sets, like if you had some Topps uh, Pro Debut Ellie De La Cruz cards, you were able to sell those not that long ago. And, you know, as call ups and things like that happen and guys pop, Pro Debut has some value. Um, but my favorite part about it is just it's the one top set where you've got the minor league uniforms aside from the you know heritage minor league. But, totally. Uh, this is more, you know, the modern card. So what do you think about uh, Pro Debut? No, I definitely dig it. I mean, like you said, it's a, a much lower price point. I think last year's boxes at my LCS right now are going for about seventy nine ninety nine. Uh, you know, again, you're getting a couple autos in there. So, you know, it's it's a much lower point to have some fun with the minor leaguers. Um, you know, one of the things I thought was cool last year, too, is they added some inserts that had like real throwback players to it. So, you know, you could find a, a Bo Jackson auto in there. You could find a Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, you know, you don't buy a box thinking you're going to get one. But, you know, if you land on one, you know, for 79 bucks, you land with something like that. I think you're having a good day right there. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun at that price point, man. Definitely. So one of the other ones um, it's kind of penciled in gray in August. Personally, one of my favorite sets, Leaf Trinity. TJ, how do you feel about Trinity? So, and I always say this, and I will always say this, is Leaf Trinity has hands down the nastiest patches in the baseball card game, full stop. Those are gorgeous patches. They they somehow incorporate so much of a team logo or whatever the case may be into that little, you know, frame that is a baseball card. It's uh it's really something to behold. And it's cool because oftentimes you'll find some, you know, team logos and it's weird. So they can't put the team logo on the player on the picture in the jersey in the card, but they can put the logo in the patch. So it's wild, man. But you'll see some nasty stuff. I've seen some ridiculous leaf patches over the years. Um Again, not a licensed product, so it kind of you know wears that same burden that Panini does a lot of the time. But uh, with that said, I mean, again, there's you know it's a different price point. You know what I mean for whatever you're into, and you know high end collectors or you know top snobs or whatever you want to call them, you know might not touch that stuff no matter how nice it looks. But I mean, I'll hold a Leaf Trinity patch. Some of those things are pretty damn gorgeous. Yeah, definitely something. I think I'm gonna you know, try and do a little break on for the discord when it comes around. And, you know, I mean, it's usually six to eight cards per box. Um, You know, so six to eight people going in on a couple of those, you know, you end up with some pretty cool stuff at the end of the day. Um, So something to keep an eye out for. And yeah, I mean, I, the one Noah V. Marti I did hang on to um, was a leaf Trinity. It was a patch auto had the little Mariners crest for the patch. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're not going to find something that cool very often, especially like in the the major league materials or any of the tops inserts. So I thought that was cool. And Leaf Trinity is probably the one Leaf set that I will kind of co-sign, right? I'll endorse. I don't really care for the metal stuff or any of that other as much or, uh, yeah, Leaf Trinity is pretty nice, man. If, if, if you can find some nice patches on the secondary market, or like you said, get into a nice friendly break, um, it's a, it's a decent set to pick up some cool looking cards, man, at a good pr- a good price. Yeah, I mean, I that's one I kind of hadn't even looked at with the Ellies, but I can't imagine how much those are going for. I mean, a nice rookie patch auto of his. I mean, got to be worth a couple boxes right there. Anything with that man's name on it is selling. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> All right, so uh, new little feature here on Tool Time. We're going to take a quick music break with a band called Big Old Dirty Bucket. They're a ten piece funk band out of the Boston area. 
Um, guys, if you got a band, we'd love to have your music on. Kind of help to check and see if you guys are still awake. Introduce you to some new sounds. So uh, hit us up and send us some tunes if you guys want to be on here. I had this funky seed planted in me. Down in my heart, there we grew. Four times the size. To my delight, oranges, apples, mangoes, and pears. All started to appear one after another. Season was done. Some tasty, be ashamed to waste a drop. What if we sold it by the pot? I like that. Well, so, you know, little little uh, side note, if we get up over a thousand downloads, I'll throw one of my songs on there. I used to have a little music thing going oh, on back it. in the day. <laughs> it, it is legit, people. <laughs> share, share, share that pod, share the link and everything because you want to hear TJ dropping the, the fat fucking rhymes. That was a, we're talking like 20 years ago, but it was a good time. So uh, we got some tool time safety guidelines we this do. week, Philly. Um, what are we talking about? You know, this this one definitely appeals to my heart a little bit because um, I'm not in the flip game too much. But really just the idea if you're just collecting weight. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to run with that or you want me to say a little bit first, but... Tell them, tell them how you, you approach it. I'm, I'm yeah, curious absolutely. to hear that because I'm a... Degenerate you know, maniac. I, I look at it as, uh, <laughs> you know, when a new release comes out, let's use uh, Bum in 2023, for example. You know, I'm going to grab some of my Mariners guys, you know, some of the guys that maybe I want to get, you know, in on that graded special with, some Lazaro Montez. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to, you know, watch other things, watch, you know, what kind of cards trickle out, watch what I like. I'm going to wait for prices to come down a little bit more. Um, the reality is, I mean, I think we all know it when that first box comes out, when those first rips start happening, those cards are at their peak of their price um, across the board, regardless of results. Um, you know, LEs aside, release day, release week, even re- release month is, you know, the top of the crop. So coming now a few months later, there's guys I'm looking at, um, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit, but Tony Blanco Jr. is one for the Pirates, for example. Um, his cards post hype post release 10 15 bucks for parallels and these are chrome parallels too these aren't just paper um so why shoot yourself in the foot early on you can get more cards later it does take a lot of discipline don't get me wrong there's so many things i'd love to buy on day three and day four but you know i look at it and have to remind myself okay 47 dollars right now for a parallel or 17 dollars in three months 
Yeah, that's that's you're smart, man. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm uh I'm an absolute maniac. So like Philly said, man, I mean release week, it's nuts, bro. You're paying 150, 175% comps, 150, 175% of of actual real value. Um and you know, if you're on the other side of that and you're able to get a hold of product release day, release week and uh rip it and list it real quick, you can, you know, get some decent returns. Um, but that dries up really, really fast. So, you know, that first hype, now a lot of guys don't want to buy the box, you know, they don't want to buy the wax. So they go to eBay and they buy their couple of singles and they're good with it. Like you said, I'll go get my couple Mariners guys, right? I got a nice Montez first Bowman Chrome. What else do I need in life? I'm satisfied. You don't mind paying $12 for that. Cause you don't have right. to hunt around or find, uh, you know, spend a whole time searching or anything like that. Um, so, you know, that's the time to eat as a seller and also the time to chill as a buyer, you know what I mean? And I'm, I, I do both both, right? I, I'm buying stuff at the at the peak of the hype, but also I'm I'm on eBay just before we started recording, looking at tops, Chrome Jordan Walker rookie autos. That's stupid. Like, what the hell is wrong with me, man? I, I, all I got to do is wait a couple of weeks. There's like a thousand numbered variations. I'll have no issues, you know, finding one of those. But here I am. I, I hit one in a break, so I'm all pumped up. I'm trying to find a parallel. It's not a good move, man. You got to be patient. Um, you know, after that first week, you'll see a big drop. Then as we move a little bit further away, you'll see another drop. Then when we get to, you know, the next product. So uh, going back to your point about Bowman 2023, Bowman Chrome's coming out here pretty soon. Guys are already starting to be less hyped about Bowman because Topps Chrome is out. So they're excited about that. But your prospectors, you know, your guys that only buy those three main releases every year, Bowman, Bowman Chrome, Bowman Draft. When Bowman Chrome comes out, Bowman's a little less alluring, right? Then when Bowman draft comes out, Bowman, who the, what the hell happened to Bowman? We don't even care about that anymore. We're all buying Bowman Chrome at a discount and Bowman regular is at a, a, a just an absolute fraction of the cost. So um, if you can be patient with the exception of some of your high-end guys, you're not finding deals on Jackson Holiday. You're not finding deals on Jordan or Junior Caminero, things of that nature. But um, there's some wins to be had there if you can be patient and kind of play the waiting game. Uh, it's just the way to do it. Another fun game to do is uh, look for sleepers, right? Absolutely. You know, some of these middle of the road guys and guys that are not on tops of lists. Uh, you know, you, there are deals to be had, and it's possible to collect in a fun way where you're not just you know playing the stock market like the rest of us degenerate. Well, I mean, I seem to remember a very wise man showing me a few months ago the deals he was starting to get on Kevin Parada cards because Bowman came out and all of a sudden Bowman draft was in the rearview mirror. So, I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it done. I've seen, you know, where the value is and, you know, I've definitely, like I said, try to be disciplined and, you know, follow that mantra, but you know, it's not easy, you know, having at the touch of your fingertips like that. Sell early, buy late. All right, so what are some of the names that are coming from that Bowman 2023 rush, Philly, that you've got your eye on now, now that we played some games, guys that had some at-bats? Yeah, no, and this statement came to us in the Discord, and totally my apologies for uh, not remembering who brought it up, but uh, Tony Blanco Jr. from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, the dude's like a right-handed Lazaro Montez, you know, who you've heard me endlessly gush and write bad poetry about. I mean, he's six foot six. 240. Um, the dude's got potential 40 homer power. You know, he's in a Pittsburgh system that is getting, you know, better and better by the year. 
I mean, whether or not they, you know, have the smarts to keep it going at the big league is another story, but, um, you know, he's young, 18 years old. He's, uh, tearing it up right now a little bit in the ACL and, you know, he's, he's a young guy, he's a big power hitter. So he's got some strikeouts, but it's early. Um, so I'm not stressing yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. But again, you can't teach six foot six, two forty, and that kind of you know seventy grade power. So he's got the tools. Um, you know, if he, he comes through, even if he's a Joey Gallo esque two twenty forty five homer output guy in Pittsburgh, you know, with some of the other things they have going on there, that's going to be a lot of runs and RBIs for him. I can confirm. I asked them to teach me to be six foot six and have seventy grade power. I, nah, here I am, bro. I'm talking to you on a Sunday morning. I should be out somewhere I mean, I wish you were a little bit hitting fungos or something like that. But <laughs> uh, out of 2023 Bowman, I like Josue De Paula from the Dodgers system. I'm not sure how you feel about him. He's relatively new to the scene. And uh, Xavier Isaac, yeah, little you know, kind of playing second fiddle to Caminero there in the Rays, uh, you know, checklist if you will, but. Um, I kind of like him as a sneaky pickup, bro. He's he's uh, well, yeah. He's for whatever reason, and you know, we've touched on this a little bit in the Discord. When Isaac got drafted, everybody just panned Tampa Bay. Like, why why are you reaching for a guy that should be four or five rounds later? But the reality is, don't listen to the writers. Listen to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, if they're taking a guy and they see power and they see you know a future everyday first baseman there regardless if he sticks, regardless if they trade him for something down the road. I mean, they've got something there. And all of a sudden, you know, his numbers are showing that, you know, he's not the big clunky Hulk third baseman or first baseman that can't move, can't get his hips around a swing. He's putting the bat on the ball. He's connecting. He's making hard contact. And Tampa's looking like geniuses yet again for it. Yeah, I'm just going to buy Tampa in every break (laughs) forever. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's hit a couple of these from the mailbag. Uh, Z Water Bear, my man, he's in a he's in the breaks heavy, bro. I'm telling you, every time I break, he's he comes running. Uh, can you guys talk about some of the hype prospects that you're ask, actually skeptical about and why? Drew Jones has been discussed for obvious reasons, but maybe a player like Elijah Green comes to mind. Who you got, Philly? Okay, so we've talked about this a little bit in chat, but I kind of want to talk it through a little bit. So Drew Jones, yeah, I think number one, like, case for overhyped, falling back to earth. But he's also had, like, a year from hell with injuries. I'm advocating, and it may not even be something I do, is it worth to buy some Drew Jones on the possibility, you know, he puts that bad year behind him next year, comes in, you know, full bore, starts just showing everybody what he's got, all of a sudden we're realizing, oh, he is a top prospect. Is it worth it? If you can buy him at like 20 to 30% of his, you know, comps at his hype, right? I mean, so a first Bowman Chrome Auto, for example, I think he was selling for oh, like yeah. three fifty, four hundred dollars at at some point. Um I, I, I'd buy one for okay. sixty five dollars. Yeah, I mean that's reasonable. I mean I don't want to say that a high school kid can't, you know recover from one bad year of injuries and bad luck. And we already knew that the swing was going to be a little bit of work. So no surprise. Um, But no, another one that pops up for me is Evan Carter of the Texas Rangers. Um, He's projected Mm -hmm. to be very good tools in every area across the board, 
But I think sometimes we get a little too invested in the prospect list and somehow the guys will move up just due to attrition. I don't know if Evan Carter is a top five prospect talent in baseball, but you know, that's where a lot of writers have him right now, but is just a regular 280, 20 home runs center fielder with solid defense. Is that a all-star? Is that a potential superstar? I don't see it. So maybe he's a little overrated in my book. That's not to say he's not top 20, but if I'm making a list that's based on, you know, potential and potential upside, I don't think he needs to be that high. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you on Evan Carter. I think, uh, you know, hitting a lot of home runs carry you a long way in a prospect world, but kind of forget about some of the, you know, the things that are a little bit more important to be able to sustain a career in the, in baseball long term. Uh, just to touch on Elijah Green, who you brought up. I mean, the guy's hitting 218. He's got a K rate above 40%. There's not a lot more to look at there. And I mean, you know, he was drafted high and highly touted, et cetera, et cetera. But um, ouch, 40% K rate is, is not good. And when he's hitting, he's not. Yeah, I mean, lot. that's, you know, what Cameron Mabin became after years and years of, oh, this guy's can't miss. This guy's a top 10 prospect. I mean, you know, terrible contact and had a few occasional pops and just do the athleticism. He'd run into one and could play the outfield. But you know, 40% at that level of baseball is pretty scary. Um, especially, you know, for yeah. the pedigree he came in on. Yeah. It's starting to look like, you know, maybe he can't handle you exactly. know, the pitching. Right. And, and, and a lot of guys, you know, they kind of flame out. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to university, a lot of, I think a lot of universities with like a 50% freshman dropout yeah. rate or something like that. They just get there from my like, shit, I, I'm not built for this. Maybe for whatever reason, maybe that's just not the case. Maybe he got that high draft slot money and yeah. he's cool with having $800,000 or whatever the case may be. Um, very well, but yeah, um, I'm not could, encouraged you know, by this, that. This time next year, we could be having a conversation where all of a sudden it's clicked a little bit for him and he has it down to 28% K rate. He's starting to make a little more you know, contact on the ball and we're saying, well, maybe, maybe we could buy something right now. So. Yeah, and, and he will get some time to figure it out, right? I mean, they, they spent a high draft pick on him. They're not going to, you know, send him home. All right, so this one is from Alex Bugs from the Discord. So I keep up pretty much with the entire league, who's doing well, leading, etc. I've just started recently getting into prospect. Starting out, is it better to keep up with a few guys from each team or just focus on the guys who play for my team? So, yeah, like we talked about a little bit before, it's kind of hard to get married to prospects in your own team. So when I first started, that's what I did. I just bought Cardinals in Bowman breaks. And I didn't care if we had good prospects or bad prospects. I wanted the Cardinals prospects. Um, most of those guys are no longer in the organization and or suck, <laughs> for lack of a better word, man. I mean, we're talking about guys like... Uh, Ella Harris Montero, Alvaro Cejas, Zach Thompson, um, just a bunch of guys that are either no longer with the team or not producing with the team. So um, I kind of switched from that a little bit. You know, I, I gear a little bit more towards looking at top prospect lists and looking at scouting and trying to find guys that I think are going to pop. Because, um, you know, full disclosure, I, I'm using Bowman as kind of a, a means to make a little bit of money to kind of supplement my collection situation, right? I'm not 
plan on holding the majority of these guys with, you know, very few exceptions that Jordan Walker auto. I told you about, yeah. I'm holding that. Right. I, I, I will keep that. Um, but in a year, you know, I wouldn't mind if I didn't have a single junior Caminero card <laughs> in my house. Right. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I like the kid. And, you know, if I saw something significant, maybe I'd hang on to one of the autos or something like that. But generally speaking, you know, this, I'm not playing the long game here. So, mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to prospecting, that's my I was only eight years right? old this year, so you know he's definitely. Yeah, you know he lies <laughs> about his age all the damn time, all the time. So um, yeah, it's fun to kind of just pick a few guys that you like. Don't start collecting everybody. You you could look at prospecting similar to the way you look at the guys that do you know the rookie card investing. It's not that entirely different. All you're doing is just making a bet on a guy you think is going to pop and do well you know, later on. And at the rookie card level, it's, you know, a little easier to tell, I guess, because they've already made it to the big leagues. You're dealing with a smaller pool of talent, but I like it with Bowman because the little, you know, higher risk, higher reward. Yeah, no, I mean, plenty of good thoughts there. I mean, for me, it's prospecting, you know, even just reading up on them and everything has been kind of a lifelong journey. Um, So for me personally, I started out, you know, reading the Baseball America top 100 lists. And, uh, you know, from there, you get a pretty good, like, snapshot of kind of who's who in the minor leagues at the time. From there, you know, they start putting out articles, top 10s, top 30s of each organization. Um, You know, and it kind of becomes like, well, do you really need to know the number 22 prospect in Cleveland's organization if you're a freaking Royals fan? Well, no, probably not. So, I mean, you know, spend the time deep diving on your own org a little bit. you know, if, if you start hearing rumors of a, a trade happening between your team and another team, start looking at who they got. I mean, anything past the top 10 probably isn't going to be, you know, super exciting or up anytime soon. But, you know, I mean, it, it really just kind of depends on what you like. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm looking at, you know, the 15 and 16-year-old perfect game rosters now because I'm kind of curious to see, you know, who the high school draft picks are going to be in two years, who the international players are. Um, it, it really... It's kind of like music. It's as much time as you want to put into it. It's as deep as you want to go. There really is like not enough time in the day to read up on all the information out there. So just choose what you have fun with. I'm going to keep you close and make you the prospect console Yeti over here. Uh, so I'm going to hit you with this question from my man, El Wapo Grande. He said uh, he wants to know a little bit about Cade Marlowe. You know, let's go Mariners, he says. I'm sure you got no well, issues with that. Let's no. go Mariners. All right. All right. Proceed. So uh, he's 26 years old. He's one of the guys that lost some development time due to the impact of COVID that whole 2020. I think it canceled the whole minor league season. It was disaster. Is his value hurt less because of that? Or is it the same? Uh, And he's assuming that if he was 24, there'd be a little bit more excitement about his potential to make the bigs. What are your thoughts on Marlon? You know, um, he's come in the first week and he's actually put up some pretty good numbers and been part of some some key plays. So I'm excited to have him on the Mariners. Um, The age thing definitely is interesting right now. I mean, we're seeing guys like Andrew Painter, who we're hearing that are 19, you know, until he got injured, is ready for the big leagues. You know, we're hearing, you know, Caminero at double A who's 19, but then we're hearing a guy like Marlowe's 26. Um, I think a lot of it came down to just where he was drafted and kind of the profile and whether or not the Mariners truly ever believed. Um, he was a 20th round pick. You know, he was a senior in college when he was picked. So he's already 22 coming out and then, you know, misses the year due to COVID. But since then, has been consistent, hits, hits for power, steals, plays great outfield. 
Um, you know, I think they drafted him as an org guy, just thinking, you know, he'd fill some rosters for 10 years, but he turns out he's actually, you know, might be a pretty good big leaguer. So now that, you know, Kellenick uh, hurt himself doing uh, what Kellenick does and having a little temper tantrum, you know, Marlowe's got an opportunity and he's showing that, you know, age aside, there's a legit player there. Yeah, and I'll just uh, echo a lot of what you said there. I mean, 26 is kind of old for AAA, right? Um, but he is a 279 career hitter in AAA. Does that jump off the page? No, but again, if it did, he probably wouldn't be a 26-year-old player in, in AAA. Uh, he's been up, you know, since the 20th. I think the Mariners called him up. So, you know, let's assume best-case scenario is kind of the way I like to project things out. Let's say from, you know, from today until the day he retires, he plays out of his mind, right? He's hitting 300 every year. He's jacking 30 home runs every year. He's driving 100 RBI. Uh, This is, you know, these are these are big, big numbers. And let's assume he does that for 10 to 12 years. Is he going to make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, probably, you know, based on the fact that he did that, you know, uh, over an extended period of time. But are the numbers really going to be there? You know, Ronald Acuna is not 26 years old. Juan Soto is not 26 years old. Um, a lot of these guys that, you know, have put up these big numbers and been in the league for such a long time, it's, you know, they started at 21, 22, 23, and you're able to kind of ride them out. I think 26 to 29 is kind of that prime window when you're, you know, Hall of Fame Mike Trout type status, Hall of Fame Albert Pujols type status. This guy's just getting his cup of, cup of coffee, you know, yesterday. So, um Probably not a great long-term projection. Probably not a guy I mind having on my major league team. But if we're talking in, in you know, in terms of a hobby, yeah, I'm not sure if there's no. A and I, I sold the one card I had on his call-up day, and you know, basically, God, what was it? Quadrupled what I spent on it. Um, you know, it was just a, a refractor auto. You know, nine point five SGC. Sold it for sixty-five bucks. I think it cost me yeah about twelve dollars. 12 15 dollars altogether to put together so you know i mean it's nice to see him he's going to be you know probably a fourth outfielder at best for his career but that doesn't mean guys at that age aren't capable of doing big things i mean i think one example is wade boggs who came in a little older and you know went on to absolutely rake for you know 15 years and we all know how that ended so hall of fame career um it's not impossible it's just far from the norm all right, one more for you. So Johnny Ball Game seventy seven. He's got a question about Colton Kowser. You got any thoughts on Colton? I got yeah, a couple. So I guess I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, if I've got some of his cards right now listed, maybe I'm pulling him back down because he might be going back down to the minors sooner rather than later. Do I wait for him to come up and start hitting big again and then resell? It, it kind of seems like there's a little bit of a – so Gunnar Henderson, you know, he came up, he's a little bit cold, and then he kind of heated up. You got to give these kids a little bit of time to cook. He is only 23, yep. right? Um, and the Orioles, again, they're just loaded. And I think that they have so many of these high-ceiling guys, kind of like we talked about with Kerstad. Um, <clears throat> you talk about Jackson Holiday in the pipeline and all these other studs all over the field. Um, they're going to – play who's working, right? They're going to just keep, you know, throwing something at the wall and see who's kind of riding the high hand and who is going to develop. Uh, conversely, you might see a couple of these guys get dealt, uh, you know, here pretty quick. They only have a few minutes left to do it, but, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they were going to package up some of these young high ceiling guys 
and uh, try to make a big move or um, if they're going to you know, see who develops and who doesn't. Um, I like Kowser. You know, he's 23, gets on base. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's got the potential to stick. I don't know that he's a transcendental talent or anything to that effect. Cause I think we'd be talking about him in a different way already, but, uh, I definitely think that he has potential to stick, be a career major leaguer, uh, pretty solid one. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it seems to be the golden rule of the last 15 years is even Mike Trout struggled, you know, on his first run in the big. So you can't really rule anything out. Um, you know, Kowser's not having a great time right now, but. All it takes is, you know, one hot streak, and those numbers are flipped upside down. Oh, absolutely. You got any other uh, mailbag questions, or did we empty that out? I, I think, think we got that it is all, everything. I'm, I'm shaking the bag out, and I got nothing. Well, excellent. Well, that was, uh, that was a good one. I really like the music dig. Like Philly said, man, if you guys have a band or you know somebody that is or does some type of music uh, production that – you know, they're just trying to get their art and their passion out there. We like to share a little snippet of that on a future podcast. So uh, there's a lot of ways to reach out to us. Easiest way is probably getting a link to the Discord in the show description. Uh, you can also find me on Reddit and uh, in the process of setting up some other social media channels. I think we'll have a little bit more to talk about that next episode. Uh, all right, Philly, that was a good one, man. Appreciate all your research and your hard work again. Uh you want to say goodbye to the oh, folks? Oh, goodbye, folks. I hope the trade deadline is very exciting for you and you get everything that you want. All right, you fellow like-minded degenerates. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you get a uh, subscription or download or like or review, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And uh, shout out to the Discord, as always. Shout out to Robert F. Baseball, Bobby Baseball, Bobby Bowman, Bobby Caminero, Roberto F. Baseball. Uh, appreciate you guys. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, All right take care. Some tunes to play us out.